And here's the deal. What we've been saying uh, throughout this whole series that heroes change the world. Superman and Batman and, and you. You change the world. That's what happens. Any person at any time, anywhere, who says yes to God, if you say yes to God, then the God will work through you, and when God works, things change. Your life changes and the world around you changes. And what's interesting is that always does start with one person. Um, in fact, I, I went to a conference years ago, and they, they showed, it was amazing to see how all through the history of the world, it's literally 1% that changes everything. It just takes one person to say yes to God. But even though it starts with one person, it's never, ever supposed to stay that way. It's never supposed to stay that way. Um, when I uh, took my first job uh, out of college, you know, this was, this was totally insane. God, this just shows you how crazy he is and the way he'll do things. This, this is not the way it normally should be done. But uh, I was a phys ed, not phys ed, I was an uh, education major and uh, graduated with a degree in social studies. And yet during my senior year, I really, is when I felt God make a very clear call to me to go into full-time ministry. And so I'm 22 years old, graduate with the knowledge somewhat of how to teach social studies in high school, and some crazy dude in Carrollton, Ohio, hires me to be his youth pastor. I had no training at all. And so I thought, you know what, I should read some books. So I read two books and on how to do youth ministry, and I started. And uh, yeah, it, you can laugh louder than that. <laughs> Believe me, especially when I look back at this. But one of the things was, I, I think, I, and now I do know, that God had given me that gift and he was calling me to do that. I just had no idea what I was doing. And so what I did when I first started, I literally would pray from nine till noon. I'd sit in my office and I would just pray because I'm like, God, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. And then when the kids got out of school, i go and try to hang out with them. And what's cool is I simply said yes to God. Wasn't equipped, hadn't been all the training. I said yes to God. They had never had a youth ministry before, so I got to start it from scratch, from nothing. And within a month, we went from eight kids to 40. In one month. And I'm sitting there going, okay, now I really don't know what I'm doing. And so you pray more. But then, one of the coolest things, and some of you guys know Jen Brum. How many of you guys know Jen Brum? Okay, good number of us. Jen, uh, actually her and her husband, uh, Jason, moved out here with us to help start the church. But the history of my relationship with Jen is she was the only other person in that small United Methodist Church in Ohio who actually was my age. And the reason she was back in the small little town was she was actually going to join the CIA, and they were doing all of her security checks on her. So she was sitting there waiting and so I looked at her and I said, hey, Jen, why don't you help me out? Because <laughs> I'm here all by myself. Well, here's what's hilarious. So I bring Jen in to help me out, in the po- in, in, but I never let her help me. <laughs> you know why, right? Because I'm the youth director, and this is my job. And so I did, I did let her do things like uh, I found out she was a good artist, so I let her paint the wall. Uh, that was good. And then I, I, it was crazy. I mean, here's this unbelievably sharp girl who I brought on my team to help me. And yet, because I was a youth guy, it was my job. And it was hilarious. So I stayed there for about two and a half years. Jen actually found Christ. I didn't know she wasn't a Christian when I asked her to help me, by the way. That's another good leadership principle. Uh, so 
But she gave her life to Christ at one of our retreats that we did, which was so cool. She went away to go to school. I moved to Detroit to help start Kensington, the church that planted us. I go there, and for the first time, I had somebody tell me what leadership was really all about. You can have a gift of leadership and have no idea how to lead. And I had someone finally help me to understand that, Dave, you aren't supposed to do this alone. You've got, there are other people around you who have gifts that you don't have. And when I learned that, here's what's hilarious, is Jen Brum does everything that I hate to do. And she does it really well. But don't let her do it. You know, I mean, that's what I was doing for two and a half years. So after about a year and a half in Detroit, when I could hire an administrative assistant, ding, you know, I'm on the phone. I'm like, Jen, come on down and help me. And finally, I could hand it off to her, and we were now a team, and we were beginning to multiply ourselves, and we could totally make a difference. You guys see, what happened is I woke up to this reality that you're not supposed to do it alone. It starts with one person, but you're not supposed to do it alone. And sometimes you just need to be woken up because here's the deal. God wants to change the world and he's looking for heroes. That's all he needs. And a hero is what? It's somebody, anybody, anywhere, at any time who will simply say, yes, God. I'll say yes to God. So he's looking for that. And here's the point. Every one of you in this room, every person, I hope by the time you leave, you're like, you're going to look down. There's an S on your chest. You're like, How'd that happen? You're going to fly out of here. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I just want you to know, every single one of you in this place, there's not a person in this room who can't say yes to God. And that's all he needs. All right? So let's pray, and then we'll jump in to this passage we're going to look at today. Oh, God, I'm so excited for today. So excited for every person who's sitting here because you love them, you created them. Before they ever came out of their mother's womb, you had already designed them the way that you wanted them to be, and you knit them together perfectly for your purposes. And you knew all the days ordained for them before one of them came to be. God, every person in this room is supposed to be a hero, somebody who says yes to you, who's linked with you. And I just pray that today we might see what could happen and what might happen if we would grasp this, this truth that you want to reveal to us today. So would you just come, have your way with us. We love you. Can't wait to hear from you. Pray that you would speak to each person individually and us as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just catch you up real quick uh, where we're going to find the story of Moses today, who we've been going through. Uh, where we're going to jump in today, the exodus has already happened. So they've gone through the Red Sea. Uh, they're free and clear. Um, they got really hungry. There was no food. They complained and grumbled. One of the things I love about the Israelites, no, I don't love it at all, but they just love to complain and grumble, okay? So if you're going to read the history of Israel, it's just like, where, you know, where's God? Hey, I know he just took us through this Red Sea and got rid of all our enemies and got us out of slavery, but what'd you bring us out here for, to die? We're hungry, right? So God gives them manna, and he goes, listen, chill, I'm going to take care of you. And then they go the next route, and he takes them into the valley of sin. All of a sudden, they're like, man, we're thirsty. What'd you do? Bring us out here to die. Okay, Moses, hit the rock. Water comes out. They get their drink. Then the Amalekites come, and they face their first real battle. Now there's people who are going to take them down. And this is the story where Moses just needed people raising his hands, and whenever they would have his hands up and people would come under and hold his hands up, they were winning the battle. 
And then every time he got too tired and went like this, and the Amalekites would start to win. It was just this crazy thing again where God wanted them to see, listen, I just want to show you, it really has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. And watch, when you're hungry, I'll feed you. When you're thirsty, I'll give you something to drink. And even the guys who come and fight against you, I just want to show you, I know this is weird. We're winning. We're losing. We're winning. We're losing. I'm going to try that with the Lions today. I'm going to watch the whole game like this. It's going to be awesome. I'll have Mariah and Ashland by both sides. Hold them up, girls. Hold them up. It's going to be a great day. Woo! All right, here we go. So, but, and they, and they win. And so the next thing that happens right after this is uh, Jethro, who's Moses' father-in-law, shows up. And, and Moses tells him the whole story, and Jethro's all excited for him. He's like, man, this is awesome. And what's so cool, again, is Jethro, he now says, wow, the Lord, your God, he's God. And he starts to worship and bring sacrifices to God. So again, because Moses said yes to God, his father-in-law puts his faith in him. It's so cool. But what happens is Moses is busy, busy now being uh, the leader. He's the guy, right? And so Jethro shows up, and he watches Moses lead. And Moses is the judge, and so what happens is all the people come to have Moses help them, help them with their disputes. That's his, his deal. So you got hundreds of thousands of people all lining up to, uh, watch, uh, to receive uh, from Moses. Okay? So here we are in Exodus chapter 18, verse 14. The scripture here says this. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people. And, and can I just tell you, we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to switch here to church a little bit. But that's, that's one of the things, um, like especially pastors or leaders or maybe you. I'm sure there's some of you in this room right now. You love it when everybody gets to see all that you're doing. Boy, am I busy. Look at all I'm doing. And when Moses saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? So here's the first point, if you want to be a hero. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. See, and what's really interesting about this is Moses was kind of in the trees, as we would say, uh, right? Sometimes you get caught up in, you're, so, you're just doing your own thing. In fact, I feel like that happened to us last year with K2. We were so busy doing all this kind of stuff that we, 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 I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm in the trees. And so what we did is we brought in a, a group called CSG, Church Solutions Group. And really that's what, what um, Jethro is here. <laughs> Jethro was the first consultant. Did you guys know that? So, so uh, God hired a consultant named Jethro and brought him in to help Moses get out of the trees and get his eyes back up to see what was really going on. And it wasn't necessarily sin. He just, he just couldn't see it. And I love Jethro. He says, why are you trying to do this all alone? And Moses answered him, and this isn't on the, in the next verse, he says, because the people come to me. The people come to me to seek God's will. See, what's interesting, there isn't anybody else. Moses couldn't see. I know, I know God, I know there's like hundreds of thousands of people here, but they need to come to me. So he just couldn't see that. And then I love Jethro's question to him. Well, what are you really accomplishing here? <laughs> What are you really accomplishing here? Now, was Moses accomplishing something? Was he? Of course he was. Sure he was. You know, however many 75 people that got to meet him that day, you know, and everybody else, I love it, was that they stand around you all day and all night. You guys, how many of you love to wait in the line? 
Isn't that great? Can you imagine this line? Holy smokes. He says, you can do some things alone, but here's the deal, you guys. You can never accomplish the fullness of what God could do alone. You'll never, ever experience it alone. So he says, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you? You can't do it alone. That's the first point. Here's the second point. It's not good to do it alone. It's not good to do it alone. In Exodus 18, verses 17 and 18, uh, after Moses tells him, he goes, why are you doing this? He goes, well, because everybody comes to me. And uh, go ahead and put it up here. Exodus 18, 17 and 18. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Okay, let's just, so why isn't this good? There's four things right here. Number one, because you'll wear yourself out. You, you, you just, if you keep doing this all by yourself, you're not going to be able to handle it. The second thing is the people who come to you are going to wear themselves out. So now everybody's burned out. It's awesome. Sounds like church. Here we go. And then why else isn't this good to do it alone? Because the work is too heavy for one person. And number four, you can't handle it alone. Man, last weekend, we put a new roof on my house. Anybody done that? How many of you put a new roof on your house? How many of you did it alone? You did? Now, what I really wish is that you could have seen the expression on his face. (laughs) I mean, seriously, Dave looks at me. Look at him. He's still shaking his head. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't even fathom. You know, Steve's back here. He came and helped me do this. We had, I don't know, we we got like a dozen guys, you know, somewhere throughout the day. And then it it rained right in the middle of it, you know. So we, you know, had to put plastic on and hide from the lightning and all that kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness. I mean, seriously, all week long, poor Steve. I'm like. You know, I just, I can't handle it. My back is killing me. Everybody on the, everybody who helped me the next day was just like, oh, we were all dying. We had a team of people. Now, it was fun. It was really fun being without that group of guys. To do it alone, God have mercy on your soul. That's horrible. Now, how many of you have ever moved, right? Okay, all of us have done that. Now, you guys know this too. I've used this illustration before. Because when you move and it's you and your wife, Okay, then you need marriage counseling afterwards, right? Because it is like you are not meant to do this alone. But when you, how many of you have moved, though, and had a huge group of people come help you? See, Mike Seifert, who's sitting up in the back, the, my favorite story ever is I showed up to hype Mel. What was that? I, I, I showed up to help Mike uh, move. And the coolest thing was I get there, and there's this army of guys that he had had come, just tons of friends. I literally, I think, put two things on the truck and ate pizza. Dude, call me to move, right? I mean, that was it. See, it actually, it, it's, you, it's, it's not good to do it alone, but man, when you do it with everybody, it's awesome. Can you imagine, K2 here, we have like 1,500 people normally on a Sunday morning, um, so that would be easily 3,000 people probably that show up to K2 and call this their home. And last year, we found out that in a three-month period, in three months, we had over 4,000 people walk through our doors. Yeah, woohoo! I know, but that's freaky. 4,000 different people came through these doors in three months. Can you imagine if I was like Moses? Just me. Hey, let's look at the staff page on the web. <laughs> yeah. 
here I am. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. Uh, I mean, it would just be crazy, you guys. And here's what's wild, is pastor burnout. I don't know if you guys know this. It is off the charts. Off the charts. I meet with pastors. I met with a guy this Thursday who's so heavy because the church all looks to him. And, and pastors all over this country are all alone. And they end up doing everything instead of what I'm going to try to show you here in a minute. I found some statistics. A guy named H.B. London wrote a book called Pastors at Greater Risk. And he, he would know because he ministers to pastors. That's what he does now. He just helps pastors all around the nation. And, uh, but before I, I'll read you his stats, here was a quote last year. August, sorry, need to shave. Um, last year... <clears throat> August 1st, 2010, so a year ago in the New York Times, quote, members of the clergy now suffer from obesity, hypertension, and depression at rates higher than most Americans. In the last decade, their use of antidepressants has risen while their life expectancy has fallen, and many would change jobs if they could. Okay, now let me give you H.B. London's just a few of his statistics. 40% of pastors, and this is interesting, and 47% of their spouses, (laughs) right? Because lots of times we think we've got it good and it's not so good at home, are suffering from burnout, frantic schedules, and or realistic expectations. 45% of pastors say that they've experienced depression or burnout to the extent that they needed to take a leave of absence from ministry. 50% feel unable to meet the needs of the job. 57% would leave the pastorate if they had somewhere else to go or some other vocation they could do. 70% don't have any close friends. 75% report severe stress, causing anguish, worry, bewilderment, anger, depression, fear, and alienation. 90% feel unqualified or poorly prepared for the ministry. And here's the one that hits me. 1,500 pastors leave their ministries every month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. So I think Jethro looks at Moses and he says, what you're doing isn't good. You and these people who've come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. When I started ministry in Detroit, when I was finally getting understanding of what it means to lead, I went to a conference by John Maxwell. don't know if you've heard of him. He's a kind of a leadership guru. And uh, near the end of of the last day, uh, I don't know, there's hundreds of pastors in there. Probably in my visual, I can still see it because it was so profound moment for me. I would say maybe 700 pastors in this room. And all of a sudden, John just stopped in the middle of his speech and he sat on the stool and he just, and he just said, okay, you guys, I'm talking to you all this, this week and, and there's a crisis going on in here. And he just looked and he said, um, so I just want to ask you right now, how many of you, because everybody's in here is in ministry, how many of you right now feel like you're at your wit's end, at the end of your rope, you've thought about quitting, and you want to totally give up and leave the ministry? He goes, I need to pray for you. Would you stand up? And you guys, three quarters of the room stood up. I was shocked. I just, I sat there and I looked and I just, tears hit my eyes These guys were done. They were done. 
And I, I don't know, obviously, any of their reasons, but I know one of the main ones is because the people who come to you, you and your people, are going to wear yourselves out because the work's too heavy, and you can't handle it alone. And, and so um, I, just, I just, man, it's just a reality. And the statistics are showing that it's, it's the reality right here in the United States. But here's what, one of the things that was really interesting to me. As a pastor, knowing tons of pastors, I know this is just true. But the thing that's really interesting to me in this passage is that Jethro says, not only are you going to wear yourself out, he says, your people who are waiting here are going to wear themselves out. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, again, if you've waited in a really long line, do you not get worn out? I mean, so why, I just thought about that. Why do the people wear out when one person does all the work? Why does that happen? Well, I think part of all, because there's no way that the legitimate needs and concerns of the people's hearts get met. They just don't. I mean, if your life's falling apart and you've got the ticket number and you're 4,032, you're probably going to get worn out and frustrated. And you do, you do, you get weary of waiting. And I, I think the other thing too, like the Israelites, I, maybe this was why they were complaining and grumbling so much. <laughs> because it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not ever getting what I need. I need food and water, but I need help here too. I need some, some my life. And so I think one of the reasons you wear out is because you start complaining and grumbling. And, and, then, and don't raise your hands on this one. But man, if you've ever, ever received a critical spirit, if ever your spirit has gotten critical, you wear out. Nothing gnaws at you more. And so souls are empty because they aren't. And here's the other thing. I think the other reason we wear out is souls become empty when you're not part of the solution. If you're literally just there to just get and need and be, it's like eventually that soul just gets empty. And, and an empty soul, just if you're not part of the solution, it just, oh, it just wears you out. So if one person is doing it, so Moses here, this man of God, he loves God, he's trying to, I'm the guy and everybody comes to me, I'm doing the best I can. He was just in the trees and he didn't get it. And yet all of his people are wearing out and they're complaining and they're grumbling. And Jethro, thank God, literally, that God sent him to Moses and said, oh dude, this isn't good. It isn't good. So what couldn't Moses see? What was he blind to by being in the trees? I have this haunting voice from Steve Andrews, my lead pastor back in in Michigan. He used to tell us all the time in staff, great people are all around you. Great people are all around you. And what Moses couldn't see is he couldn't see the people. He couldn't see the people that God had placed right around him to help this be something powerful and mighty. So here's the third point. First one is, can't do it alone. Second one is, it's not good to do it alone. Here's the third one. You don't need to do it alone. <laughs> you don't need to do it alone. Can I just celebrate with you guys? I went on my sabbatical this year, and I was almost mad. You know why? Because I didn't want to leave. You know, and, I, and I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, in seven years, there have been times when I wanted to leave. There have been times when I woke up for my poor wife, and, you know, just, yeah, there is. It's hard. You have, it's stressful. It's tough. But I am so grateful that after seven years when my sabbatical came up, I remember looking at Latin Christian going, man, I'm jealous. 
that you guys get to lead this summer because this is when it's fun to lead. We're making crazy changes. People are shaking in their boots. They don't know what we're doing. God, I love that. I just wanted to lead. And, um, you know, and, and, and part of the reason what we're going to celebrate here in a bit, uh, in a few minutes, is the reason that me as your lead pastor right now can be juiced after seven years is because of you. God, what a great group of people. This is fun. Just looking at you. Rutledge, (laughs) I love you, ma'am. I have the greatest staff in the world. Brooke, you're awesome. I'm going to miss some of you because I can't see tears in my eyes. It's a little blurry at the moment. I'm serious. To come out here and to have Mike Rutledge and Eric Winter and Lad Chapman and Christian Kokerscheid and Dave Elsog right next to me every day is unbelievable. We have the most amazing board that you could ever imagine. Most guys, I know, most guys quit their churches because of the board at their church. Kyle Kugler sitting right over here. Um, again, I don't know who else is here. I can't see. Just Friday night and yesterday, we spent almost 24 hours together as a spiritual advisory board. I tell you, to sit next to Evelyn Bossart and Kyle Kugler and Mitch Menning and Bill Green and Danielle Pimentel. There she is right there. Did see her earlier. And Mary Goldring. And, sorry, look, trying to look around the room. Who I'm missing? Oh, Peter Holm. Um, oh my gosh. What an amazing group of people. To know that our business operations board, which, I mean, like, God, help me. Seriously, if it was just me, we wouldn't exist because I have no idea what I'm doing at all. But to know that we have Eric Winter, especially, you know, who carries it, and as we call him the glue, but the, that, that, that Eric surrounds himself with a board of men who are gifted in business and love Jesus with all their heart, who help us with every solution, every decision we ever make about finances, goes through another board to make sure that we're in line and that we're following what God wants us to do. There is not one decision ever made, ever, on this church, ever, ever, by myself, ever. Thank God. And, really, when it's a big one, the management team doesn't make it by itself either. We bring in the spiritual advisory board. We're so, we're so surrounded by people who said, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to use my gifts and I'm going to make this thing happen. And so here's the answer. You don't need to do it alone. Exodus chapter 18, verses 21 through 23. He looked at him and he said, uh, Jethro looked at Moses and he said, select capable men from all the people. And I'll just move men, men and women because we, obviously that's what it is. Select capable men and women from all the people who fear God, trustworthy people who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. And here's the, here's the answer. Look at this. Look what's going to happen. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Danielle. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, 
will share thanks in just a second to all of you. Makes your load lighter. If you do this, and God so commands, which he does, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. Oh, you guys, when someone doesn't go it alone, but when everybody, now we're going to talk to all of you, when all of us in this room go, I matter, (laughs) I'm a hero, I say yes to God. I have gifts. I bring something to the table. When all of us do that, it's like moving with Mike Seifert. And you get involved in ministry and you do a couple things and eat pizza. And you celebrate and it's awesome. And when you don't, you shake your head like Dave. And you feel the whole burden yourself. And you guys, we have an amazing church with a huge vision, with so much possibility, with 4,000 people that walk through our doors in three months. And I just think God, when he comes, when we see him someday, he's going to look at us and he goes, so what would you do with all those people I gave you? What would you do? Gosh, this was so fun to send you hundreds of people. And, and, and it, but I can't do it. I love to do it. I would seriously, out of pure desire, I love teaching. That's not true. I wouldn't totally dish this. But if I could, I would so hang out in the lobby in the parking lot all day long and just see every person that walks through these doors and make sure that you knew you were loved. I can't do that, though. But you can, right? All of us can. And that's when it gets good, and that's when it's fun, and that's when God's bigger purpose gets done, and not just what one person can do. The load's lighter, we share it together, you can stay in the strain, and everybody is satisfied. So, oh, it's good. And I want to tell you, that's why I love this church. Because I love you. And I love the fact we get to do this together. And even when it gets really heavy, we rise up. And we hold each other up. We lift our hands up so that God's victory is done. And it's awesome. So here's the deal. A hero is somebody who shares it with everybody. You don't do it alone. And a hero is also somebody who replaces himself. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll close the, the, the time here with what we're going to do in just a minute. See, in, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says to Timothy, a young leader, he says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So what was he doing? So you guys sit here every Sunday. Every Sunday you receive teaching. Sometimes I know it's not that good. We're human too. But every week you get to hear the word of God. And what's really cool is the word of God is just powerful. You don't even need a good teacher to really love the word of God. But you get this And so what Paul says to Timothy, hey, whatever you get, pass it on to somebody else. Whatever you get, pass it on to somebody else. So man, I want to encourage you guys here on Sundays, don't ever just listen for yourself. I I don't know if I realize this. Whenever I listen to any message, I never, ever listen to a message just for myself. How about you? See, because I know that if I get a truth, oh, I know somebody else that I could share this with. I know somebody else who's going to need this. So man, I, it's so funny because none of you are taking notes, and that's my fault because I haven't ever encouraged you to do that. But I know that every time I sit in a message and Mike's teaching last week, my page was full of notes from Mike Rutledge. It was a great message. When Lad and Christian teach, I got a piece of paper, and you know, I'm taking notes. You know why I'm taking notes? Because I'm going to share this with somebody. And I, I want to understand it. I want to encourage you, man. 
You see, if, if we're going to pass this on and not just have it be about ourselves, what you get, get it so that you can pass it on to somebody else. You know, Jesus had this mega strategy for changing the world. You know what it was? I'm going to hang out with 12 guys. And everything I get, I'm going to give to them. Everything I get, I'm going to give to them. Everything I get, I'm going to give to them. And 12 guys changed the world. You guys, LTGs, Life Together Groups, if you're a mature follower of Christ, woo! all right, thank you. If you're a mature follower of Christ, in other words, you've grown up, you're not a baby anymore, you're not a toddler anymore, you're a teenager now, you're like, man, I need to crank. Can I just encourage you? Because many people want to go deeper. I need, I need to go deeper. I want to tell you, you, the best way you can go deeper is take one thing that you've heard and try to explain it to somebody else. Take what you get and give it away. And oh my goodness, your life will take a whole new dimension. See, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus never said, oh, Father, thanks, that was awesome. That was good. Everything he got from the Father, he passed it on to somebody else. See, that's maturity. Maturity is, I'm here to give myself away. And you know what's so funny? K2's only chance of every person being satisfied you guys all know, and I know, I've showed this from the beginning. The only promise I got for you is if you get to know me, I'm going to let you down. K2's only chance of being, of where every person that goes here is satisfied is when the people who are mature say, I'm going to take what I've gotten and I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. And I'm going to do it in life. Provide a place where people can ask questions, where they can be cared for, where they can be loved and love. It's not going to happen in this hour here right? It's going to happen out there. And so this is what Moses did. He goes, man, I'm not just going to do this by myself anymore. I'm going to find all these other people, and I'm going to let them do it. And then at the end of his life, he finally realized, it's like, okay, you know what I've got now? I'm going. I'm done. I'm gone. In fact, God told me I don't even get to go to the promised land. Bummer. But here's the deal. God then, he says, would you point somebody else to lead everybody through this? He says in, in, in Numbers, he said, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And so in here, Numbers 27, verse 18, so the Lord says to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. And it's awesome because Joshua had been with Moses for a long time. He'd been hanging out. He knew what it was all about. He says, lay your hand on him, have him stand before Eliezer the priest and the, and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. Moses did as the Lord commanded. He took Joshua. He had him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole assembly. He laid his hands on him and he commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. So now what's the deal? So when you lay your hand on somebody, what that means is literally it was a symbol to say Moses to say what the authority I have that God has given me and that I've exercised I'm now passing on literally to you. Now you have it, Joshua. And stand in front of the whole assembly so that everybody who's there knows Joshua's going to lead. Amazing verse, Deuteronomy 3.28. Another place where God tells this to Moses, and he says, Moses, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and he will cause them to inherit the land that you will see commission him that word literally means to command it means he is and i love because god says he will lead his people it's going to happen 
So you commission him, you charge him, you command him, you encourage him, and you strengthen him because Joshua's the guy who's going to lead. So we're going to do that today, you guys. Today, we're going to do this. We're going to celebrate the truth that I've been sharing with you. I want you to see the reality of what's going on here at K2, the church. And we're going to do a commissioning. And we're going to strengthen and hopefully encourage um, some of the leaders who are taking leadership here at K2. And the people who are going to come up on stage here in a second are really representing those who are leading here. And, and there's, we know there's a lot of leading that's going on with kids. There's a lot of, lot of you volunteer and you serve, and we'll get to that in a moment. But the people we wanted to say here are people who have stood up and said, you know, I'm going to lead other adults. I'm going to take this mantle, and I'm going to do it. And just like Josh was going to lead, these people are going to lead us in to this year. And I want to tell you, man, don't you dare. Oh, oh, no, that's not true. Let me just, I'll forget that, come back to that later. Um, I just, I believe with all of my heart, you guys, I smell it, I sniff it, I see it, I hear it. God is moving all around here. It's going to be a well of a year. And the only way that's going to happen is not by my leadership. It's going to be by yours.